Welcome to the Purpose and Profit Sisterhood podcast, where we are a stand for the EAN. We're here to help you make a meaningful difference in a magnificent living. Your bodacious host is Jeanette Anderson. She's your irreverent guide to being bold, brilliant, and brave. So grab your wine, a way to take notes, and strap in. Because this is a no BS, value-packed tour through topics that you need to know about now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Purpose and Profit Sisterhood podcast. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Jeanette Anderson, and I'm here today with the lovely, all the way from Atlanta, Alicia Butler-Pierre, who is going to talk to us about infrastructure and in your business and how that is necessary, critical, and makes such a big difference. So welcome, Alicia. I'm glad you're here. And especially because you're moving today, so it's a busy day for you. So I appreciate you making time to come, even though you're in the midst of moving. Um, So welcome. I'm going to read your bio or your intro, and then we'd love to hear some juicy tidbit about you that we wouldn't guess from reading your uh, website or your bio. So uh, Alicia is the founder and CEO of Equilibria. Equilibria? Did I say it right? Equilibria. It's it's all the same. Yes. And the best-selling author of Behind the Facade, the world's first published book on business infrastructure. She hosts the weekly business infrastructure podcast, which ranks in the world's top 2%. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. She's, by the way, a chemical engineer turned entrepreneur. We're going to be talking about that later. And she has advised lots of large corporations and small business leaders on this and hosts the the podcast, like I mentioned, um, and is also an adjunct instructor of Lean Principles at Purdue University and Operations Management at Nichols Nichols College. So lots and lots of uh, experience in this area. So welcome, I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much, Jeanette. It's it's long overdue and I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we met a little while ago through networking, I believe, right? Yes. Um, Indeed. And and so tell me why, well, before your why, tell me a little bit about you that we wouldn't guess from reading your bio. I actually had an opportunity years ago to work on the restoration of an ancient Egyptian temple in Luxor, Egypt. Oh, cool. I was working alongside um, some archaeologists. So that was a lot of fun. I'm a huge student of ancient civilizations. Oh, um, Yeah. I would not have guessed that. I wouldn't have. That. <laughs> and, and, you know, sometimes looking to history tells us about how we should do things in the future. But um, and, you know, archaeology and or, uh, you know, business or building and infrastructure kind of correlate too. So absolutely. Yeah. Especially, especially the ancients, because when you think about the fact that some of these things still exist, when they built something, Jeanette, it was with the intent of it literally being built to last yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, As opposed to most products nowadays. Exactly. <laughs> obsolescence. So, Planned obsolescence. Yeah, exactly. Tell me how, my, how you got so interested in all of this. What's your why? Why do you do the work you do? I do the work that I do because I want to save small businesses from implosion. Mm. There are so many, there are so many businesses that we hear about, Jeanette, in the first several years that fail because 
oftentimes they don't have enough customers. There's not enough revenue coming or profit coming into the business. But what happens when we are the, the beneficiaries of great marketing and great sales campaigns and ad campaigns? And now we go from not having enough customers to having too many. Mm. What do we do? If we don't have that business infrastructure in place, everything we've worked so hard to build can be lost in a matter of days. Yeah. Well, and, and it's not it's not the problem that people think about. They're often quite fixated on, I have to get more clients and more revenue. And they don't think about the infrastructure for delivery of those products and services. So it is a bit of a chicken and egg situation. How do you, what do you advise entrepreneurs in terms of, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs who spend too much time on infrastructure up front putting in place their CRM and all their systems and their website and all of that. And they don't have any revenue coming in. And there's those that go the opposite way. So what do you right. say to them as far as what's the best way to think about that? I think a healthy balance is just to start documenting what you're already doing. And you don't have to put in all the bells and whistles. You don't have to, especially if we're talking about startups or businesses that are maybe three years older and less just start getting that information out of your head and into some type of format that can easily be shared with someone else. Even if that means doing something as taking, something as simple as taking your phone and using pressing record, recording your audio or using something like Zoom, getting the information out of your head into a video format, into something you can use Google, um, what is it, Google, um, where they will actually transcribe for you. There's so many free transcription yeah. services. The idea is to at least get that baseline for your processes. That way, as more and more business starts to come in and you start, you need to formalize things, you need to add more people to your team, then you have something that you can start working with rather than having to start from scratch. That's right. what I would recommend for those, especially who are still new in their businesses, but still want to have some level of structure in place, but not go all in, as you mentioned earlier. Okay. So let's start with defining operations. What does that mean and what does it include? Operations, the way I like to describe it, I always like to anchor it against marketing. So if we think about marketing, marketing is all of the things, all of the activities that we're doing to attract business to us, to attract those customers and those clients. Operations is all of the things that are going on behind the scenes that make sure that you can actually deliver on the promises that you've made as a result of your marketing. Mm -hmm. For example, let's use Amazon. Everyone knows who Amazon is. We can all relate to having some type of experience with Amazon. If we were to place an order for something, let's say more napkins, uh, just that's the first thing that's coming to mind. And you, Amazon will then ask you, okay, Jeanette, when would you like to receive those napkins? Would you like them tomorrow within the next 24 days? Or we can get it to you within five days and not charge you any additional shipping and handling. If depending on what you as the customer selects, operations is now in the background trying to figure out, oh crap, Jeanette wants this within 24 hours. What are we going to do in our warehouse and our shipping and all of our logistics, all of that behind the scenes stuff, mm -hmm. that's operations. So if marketing is what your customers see, 
Operations is the unseen, but it's what your customers experience. Mm, that's a great definition. It's the unseen, but it's what they experience. Yes. Um, so do you include sales and sales processing and that, that in operations as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Processes. And I'm glad you asked that question because really they should not, we should not have these silos in our businesses, but as we all know, it happens especially yep. the larger a company gets, the more siloed it becomes. But everything truly is interconnected. I like to think as operations is really kind of covering, it's, it's foundational. So it's really touching upon every single area of your business. Right. So I, I just spent the morning typing out or writing out a, um, uh, typing out a, um, an overview of our systems requirements because I'm onboarding a new technical resource. And oh my goodness, what a pain to go through the thinking <laughs> of process around what are all the functions we need, what needs to happen for that to happen, what are some of the dependencies, et cetera. But it's also really good to have it written down and have it spelled out so that someone can pick up that ball and run with it. But most people, most people, especially solo owners and small business owners, kind of resist um, putting systems in place, writing things down, et cetera. They don't think operations is very sexy and they're more focused on the revenue generation. What would you tell them about like the importance of starting to document, starting to analyze, et cetera? Why is that so critical? There's so, so many reasons why it's critical. I, I think one of the main reasons is when you again start to, let's say you have a viral moment, you are fortunate enough to have some type of a viral moment for your business. Now mm -hmm. what? Now you have this influx of customer orders for your products or services, and you have to make sure that you can deliver mm -hmm. exactly what you said you would deliver on time. Mm -hmm. Can you actually pull it off? This is the question I want to pose to your audience. If you were to have a viral moment, let's not even say tomorrow, next week, mm -hmm. would you be able to handle it? Do you truly have the people, the processes, and the tool, other tools and technologies that you need to be able to go from, let's say, processing 10 orders a day to 100 or 1,000 orders a day? That's mm -hmm. what having a viral moment really looks like. That's when you realize, oh my goodness, we need more people. We need to upgrade our equipment. All of these free services that we've been using for different technologies, now we need to upgrade to the, the paid version of a lot of these things. You absolutely have to have these things in place or else, as we discussed at the very beginning of the show, Jeanette is implosion. And we see examples all the time of when this happens. And it's so unfortunate for a person like me to see that happen. You know, the, the idea that you can actually fail, not because you don't have enough customers, but because you have too many. Mm -hmm. Another reason why it's really important for those who are in businesses that are heavily regulated, whether it's by a government entity, some type of environmental entity, you absolutely cannot play around. Almost all of these auditing agencies are looking at, don't just show me what you look like on the outside. I want to see what's going on on the inside. I want to look behind the proverbial curtain. I want to look underneath the hood and actually see that 
every I is dotted and every T is crossed. Those are two really big reasons why it is so important. And then thirdly, if I may, when you do add a team, when you do start adding people to your team, they need to know what to do and how to do it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more frustrating. Imagine if we walk into our favorite cafe or our co- favorite coffee shop and you get accustomed to things being a certain way. That's the reason why it's your favorite coffee shop. But imagine if they start growing really quickly, they hire new people. And now all of a sudden as a customer, your experience isn't so pleasant anymore. Why is that? Is it because those new those new folks, they probably didn't receive the same type of training that they should have. Mm-hmm. And we all know with training, documentation is absolutely necessary. So we, we aren't communicating telepathically here. We have to have a way to convey that information to the people that we're adding to our teams so that mm-hmm. quality isn't compromised. Absolutely. One of the things that I've done to simplify that for for us is I created a a Google Doc that is our policy and procedures manual. And my instruction to any subcontractors or team members that I hire is if you do something more than once, so if it's a repetitive task, anything more than once, you have to write down what you did, how you did it, any related links, any logins, anything required to do that task in the policy manual. And so that helps because they capture it. I can go and see, are they doing it the way I want it to be done? And we've got documentation that I didn't have to create. Um, I just have That's to- That's awesome. It's I happening. love that. Yeah, I think it, it's, um, now the problem is a lot of them don't write it down. So you have to really monitor and stay on them and so forth. But, but it does help and what does give us some procedures and a place to go and see that. And if they do something that's really significant, I have them do like a loom video on or some kind of video on how they do that. Like if it's something that we do a lot all the time, like onboarding a new person in the Facebook group, there's a little video for that. Um, Booking me for speaking, there's a little video for that. So any of those really repetitive things that need a bit more explanation. And that just becomes a library that builds over time. So that really helps with that, with the onboarding of new people and, and getting, like you said, some of that consistency. But more importantly, cutting down the onboarding time so that they can be effective more quickly and be successful. Because if they don't get enough information, um, one of the things I know for me, I don't give, I don't like to be managed a lot. So I don't, I don't give people a lot of, um, I don't interfere a lot. And sometimes they don't give them enough information. So this is a way to make sure that they've got some of that information if I don't pass it on. Because we're too close to it. We think because we yes. know it's top of mind, we think everyone would get that and understand that and think that way, but they don't. So, That's exactly so, right. Um, what do you recommend that people kind of start with in terms of systemizing? Is there an area in the business that typically should be done first or is something that's really critical that other things are dependent on? What do you, what do you see that people don't do that they should be doing? I would say the two areas that I would always focus on, regardless of industry, regardless of the actual size, the operational piece of what you do, even if you don't refer to your that particular department as an operations department, but literally that is the the lifeline, the heartbeat of your business. How do you, how do you, from the moment a customer places an order all the way up to you delivering that order, 
What are all of the steps? What is that process? For those who are listening who provide a service, from the moment a service is requested, again, all the way to you actually saying, ta-da, we've completed this particular service. What are all of those steps? Those yeah. are very two key, very things. The other one is on the accounting side. Hmm. What are your accounting processes? How, how are you making sure that you have some processes in place so that your cash is flowing as seamlessly as possible? I know for many service providers, we oftentimes tend to accept payment once a service is, com is completed. Is it possible that you can accept a deposit payment of some sort or some, some incremental payments until the service is actually completed? So that's the value, I think, of having your financial or accounting related processes captured as well. Mm -hmm. I think those are very uh, important and I have struggled and struggled with getting a good book bookkeeper and good financial systems. And so as mm -hmm. I was down, you know, the list of my wish list, it was like financial system integration and simplification for the love of God. Oh, um, yes. Just payment processing from multiple platforms. Yes, it's so you annoying. Know, it's, uh, oh, yeah. It's the oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's um, crazy. There's Payoneer, there's Wise, there's Bill.com, there's QuickBooks online, there's Zero, there's FreshBooks. There's Zelle. Oh my gosh. There's Zelle and PayPal and Square and Yeah, it's it's crazy making. Um, and especially when you're dealing with multiple currencies, because I'm Canadian. Correct. And that adds just another layer of fun and, and joy. Um, so what would you say? One of the things that I know, and this is one of the things that I know it's very, that it depends. I know the answer is it depends, but um, what would you advise in terms of people getting a major system like an all-in-one system or a, a CRM system or that kind of thing? I know I am one of probably millions, but at least thousands of people who have, for instance, invested thousands of dollars in in infusion slash confusion soft and got no value <laughs> out of it whatsoever because it was premature. It was too big a solution for where I was at, too complicated, and I never used it. And so, mm. you know, like a gym membership when you never go, I paid lots of money and never used it. Oh, that's not unusual. And I know I've done it a number of times. When is a good time to get us to invest in a system like that? How do you know it's time? I think when you realize, when you start to outgrow the system that you're already using, it no longer serves your purposes. The system I would start off with that I, that we use at my company, and it truly does serve as an operating system. We love Notion. And no, I am not an affiliate of Notion, but I sing their praises whenever I have the opportunity to. And the reason why is because Notion is a very visual platform. It serves as part document repository. Mm -hmm. You can upload audio files, you can upload actual documents, but it, it creates these beautiful thumbnail images, Jeanette. So rather than something like a Dropbox or a Google Drive where you just see a bunch of folder icons and you still have to do some digging sometimes, but imagine, imagine having your own wiki for just your company's documentation. Mm. So that's one part, that's one major function of Notion. It also serves as a CRM. Now it's a CRM light. 
in compared, to, you know, in comparison to a HubSpot or an Infusionsoft or uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, Salesforce. Yeah, Salesforce, Salesforce is another big one. But when, yeah. when you start to grow to a certain level and, and you need more of the bells and whistles of a Salesforce.com or a HubSpot, then of course it makes sense to do that. And the third component is the project management piece, the task management. So it's an all-in-one system. And perhaps the more beautiful part about Notion is that it plays nice, Jeanette, with so many other mm. platforms that you might already be using. Slack, you can integrate Slack. You can integrate Monday.com, Trello, Asana, it brings all of these other tools together in one place so that you truly can just log into one space, you and your team, and you can work from that one platform instead of having to go to multiple platforms to do very specific things. Cool. So, so please look into notion.com. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually just looking at it over here because I haven't heard of it before, but it looks like it's more of a team and project management and document management system. It doesn't look like it has a lot of things like email campaigns and marketing. Stuff. No, it, it doesn't have. So you can build those things. That's, that's the other thing about Notion is you can, if you hook up or link up with the right developer, they can build a lot of those things for you also. Because okay. it's an open open source uh, solution, you can mm -hmm. actually have a lot of those things built and tailored just for your company's needs. Okay. Well, we're we're just going from. Uh, oh, it looks quite affordable too. Oh, it's uh, incredible. That is the okay. I said the most important, beautiful thing about it was that it integrates with so many other yep. tools. The price is right, Jeanette. So there's unlimited storage. Mm -hmm. Unlike a Dropbox or a Google Drive, where once you hit a certain number, then you have to upgrade to, let's say, the pro plan or the enterprise plan. That's not the case with Notion. Cool. Um, that's, let's come back to um, what you call metrics versus ethics. So just about a few minutes left. So tell me what you mean by, and what you've said here is identify, document, and harness your money-making processes without compromising core values. So what does that mean? Sometimes, I, can, may I use an example, a very real life example? Okay, um, for your audience, if they are familiar with the story of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, the Theranos debacle, this was a lady out in the Silicon Valley area, California, here in the US, who purported to have a device that from just the prick of a finger could run up to 250 blood tests. Mm -hmm. And it was revolutionary and, and it was just the new wave in, in healthcare technology. And the whole thing was a farce. They were so focused on, and this is what I mean by metrics. Sometimes we have these certain metrics. We have these goals, like you have to meet this number, Jeanette. You have to meet this target no matter what. And what happens is people will start to engage in unethical behavior or in, engage in unethical activities, all in an attempt to make a, or meet a certain number or metric. Mm -hmm. And so we want, yes, it's important to have metrics because it helps us understand performance mm -hmm. and how well our processes you know, are actually working. But if mm -hmm. something is broken, it's broken and it should be brought to this, you know, whoever is in charge, that person's attention 
but sometimes we can, for the sake of profit, we can compromise our values mm-hmm. and we can, we can create company cultures where it's a don't ask, don't tell kind of policy. And therefore people engage in all kinds of unethical behavior. And mm-hmm. so that's what I mean is, yes, it's important to have those metrics, of course, but there has to be a healthy balance as well. We don't want people hurting themselves physically or emotionally, mentally, all for the sake of being able to meet what seems to be an impossible number. And I'm going to be controversial here for just a second. I mentioned Amazon earlier, but we've, we've all heard of some horror stories about what can go on in those warehouses all, all for the sake of being able to meet that 24-hour delivery timeline, for example. That's a great example of what I'm what I mean by metrics versus ethics. Well, I think what's important about that is people have to know what their values and their ethics are in their business. And not all entrepreneurs actually articulate what are the values that we're going to incorporate in our business. So (laughs) something, for instance, that that we're looking at in my business right now and that I you know, encourage people, my clients to think about is for instance, when you say that you wanna give good customer service, what does that mean? How does that look procedurally? What systems do you need in place to do that? Do you have systems for them to provide feedback? Do you have automated um, questionnaires that go out for exit interviews after you finish a project? Do you have, you know, what does, do you have a time frame that you have to return a call by? Do you have like systems around what good customer service means to you rather than just having it be lip service? Um, one of the things I challenge a lot of the people in our expertpreneur world, this online, you know, world of gurus is um, it's all very good to want to scale, but how do you scale love? Because if you don't have a system for scaling love, then you can't talk about coming from that purpose and heart base and all of that stuff that people talk about, but that they often fall down on the delivery as they grow. Um, so, so I think those are really important questions to ask. What are your ethics or values and how do you build those into your processes and systems in your business? So is that part of the consulting work you do when you work with people? How do you work with people? I, we always start with what is your why? Just mm-hmm. as you asked me at the very beginning of this show, you know, what is your purpose? What is your why? We always start there because that's our compass. Mm-hmm. That is what we know, what we know what to work toward. The way we work together, and I, I know we don't have enough time to talk about it, but I use a lot of visual aids. I'm holding up right now a stick figure <laughs> and a little index card. Believe it or not, Jeanette, just from these two very simple low-tech analog tools, we're able to help clients figure out what their job descriptions should be, what their organizational charts should look like, what their physical as well as digital records, how they should be organized, what processes do they need to document. Those are all of the things that we're able to do together just from a series of different exercises using stick figures and index cards. And that's really what my book talks about as well as how to use those two very simple tools to figure out how to create those types of business infrastructure things within your own company. Interesting. And so tell us really quickly, how did you reinvent yourself from chemical engineer to uh, you know, one of the very few business infrastructure specialists? 
Oh gosh. So really quickly, uh, worked in worked as an engineer, worked in the industry for about seven, eight years, realized I did not want to spend the rest of my career in an oil refinery, but also realized, Jeanette, that I did not understand the language of business. Mm. I just didn't understand it. I, I had a very technical, very engineering background. I didn't understand the, the influence that the marketplace had on, for example, our day-to-day production schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so went back, pursued an MBA, fell in love with business and decided to relocate from, I was living in New Orleans, Louisiana at the time, decided to relocate to Atlanta, couldn't find a job, decided to start my business. 18 years later, here we are. And over time, Jeanette, it has evolved into what it has become today. So it started off, believe it or not, as me having a professional organizing business. Okay. So it's kind of like a Marie Kondo-ish kind of a thing yep. going. Um, and, and eventually it morphed it from, or evolved, I should say, from organizing to actual business infrastructure. Okay, cool. Um, and so you have a master class in business infrastructure, right? Is oh, that? Oh yes, I do. Tell people what they would get from that, and I'll put the link into the into the. Um, oh, thank you so notes. much for giving me the opportunity to talk about that. We are so excited. It's called the Smooth Operator Masterclass, and some of these fun exercises that I was describing about, you know, using stick figures, index cards. We literally walk you through how to do those exercises, but it's not just a talking head sitting in front of a camera, you know, regurgitating step-by-step how to do it. You actually have the benefit of watching videos to see the videos. For those who aren't video focused, you would rather listen to audio. We have audio format as well, but there's all kinds of templates and checklists and, and other tools that you can download to help you build business infrastructure for your own company. Awesome. And there's a fee for that? There is. There is a fee. Okay. And so where do they go to get that? Just say the, the URL is? It is smoothoperator.courses. Oh, okay. That's easier. Okay. Smoothoperator.courses. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for being here. What's one final tip or hint you'd like to leave people with in terms of thinking about their operations or why they should really focus on that? What's one final word you'd like to leave people with? My my personal mantra, and that is leave it better than you found it. So it, there's nothing wrong with pursuing perfection, but just know that we should we should always operate from a sense of continuous improvement. So don't worry about having all of the bells and whistles with your process, just get started and make sure that whatever it is you have is going to be better than what you started off with. So just leave it better than you found it and just continuously improve. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your move to come and join me. I appreciate it. I hope you get settled in quickly. And thanks very much for being so supportive of people really having the structure they need to have that firm foundation so they can be successful. Because without it, we're just, you know, kind of chaos. Prices to another, to another. So Mm -hmm. yeah, really important. Thanks so much, Alicia. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Jeanette. I know that it may not be sexy to think about processes and procedures and policy manuals and stuff like that, but 
It is part of adulting our business. It is part of being able to scale and grow. It is part of being able to be the difference that only you can be in the world more effectively and efficiently. So take some of these tips, go and apply them, see whether or not you've got the structure you need to support you in actually really growing and delivering your vision and your dream. Bye for now, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, comment, and share. Now go be the difference only you can be.